You were the chosen one. It was said that you would destroy this sin, not join them. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The Shattered Order Podcast proudly presents Chosen Ones. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 270th episode of the Shattered Order Podcast. I'm your host, Goodnight Punk, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Wink. Wink, what's going on, dude? I was just trying to get into the Twitch chat. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, whole lot of shaking going on over Man, this is going to be the first time you've done this in a while. Yes, this will be the first time I've done this in a while. Um, you know, we we kind of went rogue on doing this whole thing for a while, but we're back. Um, so we have a good one uh, to do this in. If see what I did there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited. This will be fun. Uh, a little break from our usual swaga thing. So uh, hit us up. Let's listen what you think. And... Um, yeah, this should be this should be fun. For sure. And you know, just because I cannot break from video games, even though we're not talking about video games tonight. Most of it most of it crosses over with the Star Wars fandom Ooh. here. But uh did you see that that Star Wars Hunter game has been released in select countries? Oh, now? It, is our country one of them? Unfortunately, it is not. It's all uh Asian countries right now interesting so i think they're testing out the load on their servers and some of the other stuff before it comes out gotcha but people are playing it and it looks like a lot of fun i've tried to play it on my computer today but trying to get my controller set up to the uh the uh, emulator is kind of annoying i for, i haven't set it once one um uh, gosh what's that word sensibility my senses sense Sensory? Sensitivity? Whatever. Sensitivity, that's the word. I danced around it the entire time. I have it set to one on the uh, on the emulator, and I still shoot past enemies, and I can't aim correctly. So until I get that in order, I'm not even going to try to play because it is just... Uh, it's rough. So, But the game is super fun so far. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Cool. Sounds like fun. For sure. So look forward to I that. I was going to gameplay, uh, so I'm kind of curious. If I can figure out either how to make it work with my mouse and keyboard or my controller, I'm going to start making some videos on it on our channel uh, before the launch. So hopefully I can get that working. Cool. So. Anyways, for everybody else that's here, we are back with Chosen Ones. And tonight's Chosen One is the other Star Wars story. If you were here three weeks ago... Uh, Me and the elephant in the room, Richie, went over Solo, a Star Wars story, which uh, is the less acclaimed Star Wars story movie. I won't say... uh, It's not as good as Rogue One, but I don't think it's bad. We talked a lot about that. I think it was a two-hour and 40-minute podcast last time. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. This one, we're, this time we're talking about Rogue One, a much more acclaimed Star Wars story of the two. So, uh, yeah. Same, we're going to do the same format we did last time. It seemed to work out all right. And uh, talk about our, our thoughts on the movie as we go along here. So, what do you say? Sounds great. Uh, I'm excited. All right, so we'll start off with movie info. This movie was directed by Gareth Edwards. Now, I looked up Gareth Edwards. He's done a few movies since Solo. Or Solo. We're not talking about Solo. Mm. He's done a few movies since Rogue One. But the only one that I recognized was before Rogue One, and that was the 2014 Godzilla movie. Interesting. It was good. I liked the 2014 Godzilla. I I think it was... Early 2000s, I didn't like. The one with the uh, Yokiro Taco Bell dog on top of the Godzilla for the commercials. <laughs> I do not That movie the, was not as good. I don't remember that, but I, I do like the Yokiro Taco Bell dog. Good <laughs> yes, exactly. I just remember uh, the dog riding on Godzilla's back going, Godzilla, you want something to drink? Running through the drive-thru. Anyways, I don't even know. Yeah, I do I'm not remember that, that, fortunately, because that sounds... <laughs> Sounds like a bad commercial. Let me know, everybody else, if you've seen it. It's probably on YouTube. <laughs> I'll have to find it. Um, but yeah, the only other movie Gareth Edwards uh, directed that I even knew was the 2014 Godzilla, which had got a sequel, so uh, it was pretty good. Interesting. Well, let's not... Okay, no, no, let me not get carried away here. The movie doesn't have to be good to get a sequel these days, so... Well, everyone. that's certainly true. <laughs> the only movie he's had since uh, Solo Store... Or, Star Wars story, Rogue One, was a movie called Falling in Love. Okay. 67% critic review, 33% uh, um, audience score. So not, not that, great reviews. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's bad. <laughs> uh, original script was by Edwards. And so this is just some information about the director. Okay. The original script written by Gareth Edwards had all the main characters surviving. I did not know this. Lame. When I was putting together the notes. Yeah. So the producers opted out for a more tragic ending, and the original plan was never filmed. It's interesting about one of the producers is actually Kathleen Kennedy. There were three of them. I'm kind of curious how much input she had on that, because I would have thought she would have fallen on the other side. Because when people don't die, you can uh, make more money off them. So it's interesting that the producers flipped that around. Which they should have. Yes. And I'm glad they did. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that was a pretty crucial and essential part of the way that the whole movie plays out and part of the emotion that you kind of get pushed through and travel through with that movie. It's pretty essential. So um, I think that was probably a good decision. Just The fact, I, I would like to know what in that um, original plan for the movie, how it had how it had everything happening. I assume there's probably a lot to it that still was intact with some, you know, diff- differentiations, obviously, but like, I'm not sure how you get like the Scarif thing where everybody survives. Like that yeah. seems. It's, you know, it's funny is, but with this movie going into it, when it came out, I knew that no one was going to come out alive. Right. Because none of them, they were none of them were in this trilogy, the original trilogy, right? 
And so my thought process here is if these guys can are willing to put everything on the line to get the Death Star plans and get them, right? they would be part of the rebellion going forward. And since those characters were not part of the other movies, I don't like that. Well, there's no way they survive, right? Well, so. I mean, it could be one of those instances where these people are now no-name people that are fighting on Hoth or wherever in in the original trilogy. I, I think there is some spots where that could, you know, coexist. However, um, you know, they do talk about the sacrifice to get the plans. Um, right. Which kind of needs to line up. And, I mean, is the Empire just going to give you the blueprints like yeah i mean yeah that just seems kind of absurd that that there would be any chance of that happening i think you know unless it was more of a oceans 11 type heist rather than kind of what the movie ended up being because i mean in all honesty the movie is basically a star wars heist movie like that that is what this is. Um, so there would have... I, I don't know. I, I don't know how that would have played out. I'm yeah. curious. I, it'd be interesting. I wonder where if that script is somewhere. Or if That's people have even question. read it. Yeah, I, I didn't know. even bother to look. It'd be interesting. I'd have to go look that up. But that would be super cool to find out. Um, yeah. We were talking about this movie being a heist movie. I think one of the biggest... I don't have this written down anymore, so I'm just going to say it now. I think the other thing that this movie is that makes it great, it was the first Star Wars movie that was about war without Jedis. Yeah, I mean, that's... All-out war. Like, you got to see in the trenches, you got to see Cassie and Andor as a spy, not as a spy that's like, oh, he's like... The good guy spy. No, you see Cassie and Andor, the rebel spy that gets information from someone and then kills them. Right. It's you know? it's kind of like, it's more of a political conflict war type movie than really Star Wars. And I, th- I think that's what's so fascinating about it is you have this actually really interesting, complex uh, blend of these two factions that are fighting that's kind of in this war but it's in the star wars universe so you have all the cool stuff like you know the star destroyers then the x-wings um but like there's one lightsaber in the movie and you know (laughs) other than like the one scene you could almost never tell it's a star wars movie but it's so ingrained and essential to Star Wars and what it is um, and the way they tied up so many kind of loose ends that were left in the movies, I think just really makes it a standout movie. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, finish you off info. The rating was PG-13 like most Star Wars movies. Of course. Released December 16th, 2016. And it's funny because I forgot that this came out the year after... um, This came out the year after... What is that first movie? Solo? Uh, Force Awakens. Oh. Came out a year after Force Awakens. Oh, that's right. Because I was thinking to myself, when I saw Saw Gerrera, I was like, man, this is like the first time that you're really getting a a live action version of Clone Wars stuff. 
But, you know, there's a lot of Clone Wars stuff that kind of was alluded to uh, in The Force Awakens, so it doesn't exactly, but seeing Saw Gerrera go from a cartoon character to an actual character on the screen, and then later on seeing him reprise that role, Forrest Whitaker reprising his role as Saw Gerrera in the uh, Jedi Fallen Order game. I mean, it was it's super cool to watch the cartoons play such a... Back then, right? Because right. we know now it plays a massive role in almost everything in Star Wars. But back then to see that those cartoons, which were canon, play such a vital role into the live action. See, I didn't movies, know that you know Saw I mean? was, um, you know, in other Star Wars stuff. Yeah, he was, uh, he had several episodes in the Clone Wars cartoon. Like, you see him as a... Either a teenager or a college-age kid okay. just starting to build a rebellion on this one planet against the empire or the uh, separatists and just a bunch of stuff. And as time went on, this is where he got to. So very cool, super cool to see. It's like watching the beginning of the story and seeing where it ends for him with this movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. So super cool. Uh, Runtime two hours and fourteen minutes. I'll. The only reason this is interesting to me is it is one minute shorter than Solo. This movie is almost the exact same runtime. So I wish That's there was a, a third long movie. movie too. Right? Because I sat down to watch this and I knew I had to pick up my kids this afternoon. And I'm like, all right, I gave myself two hours. That gives me a 15 minute bump before I have to pick up my kids. And I actually ended up having to stop the movie near the end in the middle of all the action Go pick them up, come home, and then finish the movie nice. because it is that long. So it's crazy. But um, yeah, interesting. I wish there was a third one to see if this was like a theme for Star Wars movie or it's just accident or for the story movies. You know what I mean? And one thing that I actually kind of find interesting is a lot of movies that are this long that are kind of like a single movie, you know, it feels like there's a lot of stuff that they could cut out. I didn't feel like that with this movie. Like, it kind of, like, everything was pretty interesting. There weren't really any moments where it felt like, you know, that's just kind of unnecessary. Didn't really help me understand. Didn't really uh, contribute anything to the story. Um, Almost the entire two hours and 14 minutes did that for me. Yeah, there there wasn't any... There wasn't a time in that movie where I would be like, okay, I can get up for five minutes and I wouldn't miss anything. Yeah. You know, if I'd never seen the movie, that is. Right. Because a lot of movies, you know, they have like the, the side scene where the people are just hanging out, having fun for five minutes before someone walks in and then the actual plot line starts getting alluded to. I don't know. So right. I'm with you, man. Uh, moving on to reception. Uh, this movie proves through critic score and audience score just how well received into the Star Wars fandom this one was, especially when you compare it to the other Star Wars story. The critic score on this movie was 84% with 456 reviews with an audience score of 86% with 100,000 reviews. That's crazy. 86%. With a hundred thousand reviews, that's massive. Yes. But then you got to throw in the idea that Star Wars fans 
are the most critical people in the world. 100%. <laughs> and so, uh, and just that score's pretty damn good. And kind of like what we mentioned earlier, the fact that it's it's like a different type of movie in the Star Wars universe that adds to the story, mm-hmm. but is so much different than everything else. Like, yeah. the, <clears throat> how many characters were in this movie that we were familiar with prior to? It's a uh, very two. short list. Two, and they weren't there very long. Three. They had one voice line. Was it three? I would say oh. Mon Mothma. Um, uh, Bail Organa. Bail Organa and Darth Vader. Okay, because I was thinking of C-3PO and R2-D2 too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> they were there for one line. <clears throat> right. I, I mean, it's it's an insanely short list. If you want to add Leia yeah. in it, I guess. I mean, but you're, I mean, total screen time for characters that we knew of prior to this movie in Star Wars? Less than 10 minutes. Way under 10 minutes, I would bet. Grand Moff Tarkin. Ah, Tarkin, that's another, another one. one. Yes, good point. Um. So, yeah, I think that is really impressive to make us care about these new characters that didn't tie in with the other Star Wars. Um, have that little screen time for other characters that we're familiar with and still hit 86% with the audience is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. So I agree. And, uh, the funny part is with those reviews also comes the box office gross global box office gross for this movie. Um, one point zero five six billion dollars worldwide. That sounds like a lot of dollars. Now, it's ranked fourth of the eleven Star Wars movies, live action movies, okay. and the only three above it are the new sequel. Interesting. So, all these new movies are doing awesome, except for Solo. Solo is still at the bottom. So, but. We talked about this last time, and I know you hadn't heard it yet, baby problems. But Solo, if no one remembers, Solo came f- six months, like six months, not even a year like Star Wars or Solo did. Not Solo. Rogue One came after uh, Force Awakens a year after. Solo came six months after Last Jedi. That's crazy. And after Last Jedi, a lot of people didn't want, didn't want to watch uh, Solo. Even... Maybe because they didn't like the casting. Maybe because they were, were boycotting after Last Jedi. I don't know. Mm. The perfect storm was there for Solo to not do well. Yeah, maybe. But this movie, completely different situation. I, I do find the thing with Solo very, very bizarre compared compared to this one. Um, you know, given oh, kind a of... A bunch of characters you know? Right. Like, the... You would think more people would have been interested in, like, hey, it's the history of Han Solo. But also, wasn't Harrison Ford. So, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, but it, it makes sense to some degree, but still kind of. The other part to it is, like, this movie came before Solo. Right. And this one did really well. It crushed it. So, yeah, it did. So, like. What happened there? Anyways. And so that that kind of gives me a question because of how well perceived this movie was from the very beginning. I mean, I don't know anyone that went and saw this movie initially and then was came back and was like, well, that sucked. Um, I, think, I think I saw this movie three times in the theaters. I liked it that much. 
uh, understandable. Uh, so it's people like you really adding to that um, that box office. Bumping total. up that gross. Because uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know anyone that would go rewatch Solo. I mean, Solo was okay, but so- Solo was more interesting. Not not to get out too much because I didn't get to talk about this uh, when you and the elephant in the room did Solo, but. <laughs> The the most interest, interesting thing about me to that movie was just kind of learning more about Han Solo. It didn't add anything to the Star Wars universe. It didn't it didn't grab me, and there there wasn't that emotional play really. You a little bit, but it was kind of lackluster with these other characters that you know. It's like everybody's kind of manipulating each other, but it's not really all that interesting. Some of it's pretty cool hearing about some of the few things that were kind of interesting, like the castle run and all that. But, man, I don't know. Just Rogue One just really... Way more at play with Rogue One as far as uh, what it means to the Star Wars world. Right. Um, I'm with you, man. Uh, seven out of eleven for production cost. It only cost two hundred million to make. So you got that one point zero five six billion worldwide gross Oof. with a two hundred million budget. Damn, massive success. Massive good success. returns. Movie made over eight hundred fifty six million dollars. That's bonkers. Comparison to Rogue One. Three point three hundred ninety-three million global gross for Rogue One. Two hundred seventy-five million wait, wait, production whoa, whoa, whoa. cost. Comparing to Rogue One. Why did I write that? You down? mean we are comparing I did Rogue for, One to um, Solo? Solo. Okay. Yeah, I didn't rechange that because I kind of just erased the notes from the Solo and put them on uh, here. But yes, this is a comparison to Solo. So Solo made three ninety-three million global gross. Production cost was two hundred seventy-five million. So instead gotcha. of one billion dollars, like Rogue One, uh, the next solo, the next Star Wars story movie made one hundred seventeen million. Damn, that is so. crazy. And if you think about that, the fact that Solo was the second one and Rogue One was the first, it might give you a reason as to why we haven't seen <clears throat> another Star Wars story announced. Um, I, so I, I don't. I'm not sure that that really tracks unless, I mean, I think it's fair to say that people running Star Wars aren't always receptive to what the fans want. I think it's safe to say that there have been times where they want the fans to like something that they just don't like. And I kind of think that's kind of what they did with Solo was tried to force something down our throat and kind of the same way with the new trilogy as controversial as that has been um regardless of your feelings on it it's i mean i think rogue one is far far more liked as a whole than the new trilogy for sure oh yeah for sure i think it it, despite the money gaps between the uh, profits on these movies, I do believe hardcore Star Wars fans, you ask them what they like better, they'd say Rogue One. Yeah. That's not everyone. So everyone listening out there that does not agree with that, I'm not saying that I think the majority of people 
really liked Rogue One compared to the new trilogy. That makes um, me curious about the Rotten Tomatoes for the new trilogy. Um, and just kind of how they stack up. Um, While you're looking up that, I'll mention what me and uh, Richie talked about on the Solo episode. And that is that Star Wars stories like Rogue One haven't actually ended. And if you... Tell me if you agree with this. They've just changed the format. Boba Fett was announced as a Star Wars movie. Now, Boba Fett is a has his own television show. Interesting. Cassian Andor not, never was announced as a Star Wars story, but he has his own show. So the idea that was put forth on the last chosen ones is that maybe a Star Wars story has shifted to being a te- television show. Which... I would be completely fine with because as I've stated before, I think television shows are better because you get more. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, but, you know, like Solo, I, I'm not sure that Solo would do well as a TV show. And Pro- possibly not. I'm not sure that Rogue One would either. I, th- I think Solo would do better as a show if it was called Maul. And Solo just showed up in it. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> Maul, at the end of that movie, is exactly what I want to see more of. So, TIE Fire... isn't necessarily Solo. In our Twitch but, chat, yeah. uh, TIE Fire Solo said something I really kind of agree with. Solo is a niche-type movie. Rogue One feels like Star Wars. Which I totally agree with there there's just something about the feel of that movie that is fabulous um okay so i am looking at rotten tomatoes man all right so the force awakens was 93 percent I knew that one had a high one because we looked at these a couple weeks ago. The Last Jedi was 91%. <laughs> which Are these the critic side or the audience? Score? That's, this is just the uh, what it shows. Okay, that's the, I guess, the reviewers. Okay, so here, let, let me restart. I'm going to go through all three of these movies and tell you the critic and the audience. Uh, okay. So, The Force Awakens was 93% critic and 85% audience. The Last Jedi was 91% critic, 42% audience. 42. (laughs) Rise of Skywalker was 52% critics, 86% audience. So the audience was on episode seven and nine pretty close to Rogue One. However, I'm just not sure that tracks. I like. I think Rogue One, by, I mean any standard you want to go by, was a much better movie than those two. Yeah. I mean, can't uh, argue that too much. 
I think it, if you are a person that only watches Star Wars for Jedi, then those are probably the people that disagree. But yeah, that's fair. There aren't a lot of Jedi in the new trilogy either. So that's um, true. Rotten Tomatoes consensus basically their wrap on. Uh, this movie rogue one draws deep onto star wars mythology while breaking new narrative and aesthetic ground and suggesting a bright blockbuster future for the franchise um that came out before last jedi solo and rise of skywalker so so oh never mind we'll get into never mind go ahead all right uh other uh, reception things Chert Imway voted the most popular character months after release in a poll of over 30,000 moviegoers. So of the new characters that came out for this movie, at the time, Chert Imway was the uh, leading vote-getter for favorite character in the movie. I find that kind of surprising. Um, given that there were characters like K2SO. <laughs> for sure. K2 is fantastic. Uh, like just absolutely is he the best droid in star wars oh i i can't go there but i can't say no either he just yeah k2 is amazing <laughs> very well done uh george lucas was reported to enjoy the film more than force awakens not surprised edwards quoted it quote garrett edwards is quoted after hearing that <laughs> As saying he can die happy now. <laughs> That's so, awesome. There you go. Um, one other big point from the reception of the movie is people were questioning the ethical use of Peter Cushing's image via CGI in the movie, despite his death in 1994. Permission from his estate was granted, but it sparked a large debate about the use of dead actors via CGI in movies. What do you... I, I tell you... What do I think? Uh, I think the last sentence there is the most important. Permission from his estate was granted, but it sparked a large... Permission was granted, right? I think the people that would be the most hurt from it, seeing that happen, were the ones that gave permission for it to happen. So uh, if they did it without permission, I'd have an issue. Well, but for for sure. But, but aside from the legal or um, moral, ethical reasons for doing it, what did you think about them doing that rather than like an alternative or I think he looked a little cartoony but not it looked fine and I didn't have a problem with him being in it I think the bigger problem I had was when Leia showed up because she looked like a a wax figure so whenever I rewatched the movie and I saw Leia my first thought was, I don't look as bad as I remember. Yeah. Since it became streaming, they could have touched up a lot of these things as well. So who knows? Maybe. And I'm not saying it looks good because I don't think it does. <laughs> However, I remember thinking it looked really, really awful. And it looks passable. So it was okay. Um,. Yeah, aside from that, I I mean, the CGI, I mean, it was definitely noticeable. I almost would have liked to have seen them do something different. But at the same time, 
you, you almost had like what other character would you put in there like that would be that would have made some of those scenes interesting I don't know as far as because Tarkin had a big role in the cartoon series Tarkin had a big role in the original trilogy mm-hmm. so Tarkin showing up as that guy in these the movie made total sense so yep. I don't know I agree um um as far as awards go this movie won was nominated 43 times for awards it only won seven okay but very very high on the award nominations um empire awards 2017 it won best film uh felicity jones won best actress gareth edwards won the best director okay as well as the saturn awards in 2017 it won best science fiction film best director gareth edwards and best special effects. So, uh, very good on the awards scene there. So, uh, interesting that Gareth Edwards got two awards for best director. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, is seeing his list of movies, I think it was like seven when I looked it up today. But having two best director awards, directing one of the highest, highest acclaimed Star Wars movies, that is definitely something he's always going to have. The... Everything with Scarif, that whole last third of the movie or whatever, is beautiful. I like the 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 island, the water, the whole planet, the the trees, even the ship battle above the planet. Like you know, but like at the shield generator, all of that is. I mean. It looks stunning. It is one of mm-hmm. the most stunning. The The only other scene that I really think of in Star Wars that I think just really blew me away that looked that good was uh, the battle on Crate in The Last Jedi. Ah, yes. With the... The salt. red salt. Yeah. Looks amazing. And... Uh, I mean... That whole scene, The Last Jedi, like, I thought visually was just incredible. But, uh, God, this movie, everything on Scarif, I'm just glued to it. Just how bright and... I think... It it looked more like... I, I guess maybe kind of what makes it interesting is it looks almost like a fairy tale type movie. Like places that look that beautiful it's the beach like it looks like vacation but it's not it's so everything that's going on there is so dark and like it's just it's really captivating i i loved that the whole last third of that movie is phenomenal it still has some of my favorite uh promotional art the uh or like trailer, not trailer posters, but movie posters, right? That poster for Rogue One where you have the beach with the, the tower in the background and then the storm. What do they call those? Shore, Shore troopers, troopers marching through the water towards the camera. I can't. I'd have to find the picture, but that is one of my favorite uh, promotional arts for any of the Star Wars movies. Because just that planet looks so good. 
You've got these these troopers you've never seen before. Yep. You, honestly, a lot of troopers in this movie you've never seen before. Yeah. Shore troopers. Death trooper. Introduction of death trooper. Yep. Like, so many cool things. Um, let's move into cast. Okay. So let's talk about some of these characters. So first up, you got Felicity Jones as Jen Urso. I find or found her... I, I think she was a very emotional actor for this movie. Like the whole, everything with her dad was completely, it just never seemed forced or, I don't know. I thought she did really well. Yeah, no. I I don't even know what other movies, if I've ever seen another movie with her in it, but I thought she was fantastic. Um, I'm not sure they could have picked a better actress like, I, I think she was that good. Um, the scene with her watching the hollow of her of Galen sending her that message yeah. is probably, like, the best there is yep. from her. Yeah. I loved it. Totally agree. I remember looking this up uh, before when I was making the notes. I don't, I don't remember anything specific that she was in that... I had seen yeah. or remembered her I, from. I'm looking right now and no, nothing. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. She was in that? Yeah. Felicia? Felicia. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember her. Um, but Anyone in chat remember anything we should remember her from? Because, yeah, there's not a lot. But, but I, I, I thought... she was cast, a lot of people... Knew who she was. I didn't, yeah. but a lot of people did, and I was. I'm still curious where from. Um, next great. up, you had Diego Luna as Cassian Andor, another care person. I had no idea what they were from, but I. He's not my favorite character in this movie, but I'll tell you that he is definitely one of the most interesting characters in this movie, a rebel spy so caught up in that life that he would do anything to get the information he needs without a second thought and putting just believing that everything that he's doing good or bad was going to end the empire whether it made him as bad as them or not right one of my favorite interactions is when Jin calls Cassian um you know, you're basically a stormtrooper, and it's the part right oh, after. I wrote it down. Di- right I after, I wrote down the quote, man. You did I love it. What was it? it? Says we don't all have the luxury of picking and choosing when we care. That that whole interaction, and it's it's on the ship right after they get uh, rescued from um, Galen. Or dying. the other part. The other part I wrote was, "You're not the only person who lost everything." No. Yep. And that that whole conversation was amazing. Yes, totally agree. You know, when he's talking about, you know, he actually did defy orders. And, you know, that is because up until that moment, Cassian is, you know, he's not sure about Jen at, at all. Like, he's really skeptical, <laughs> thinks she might be a spy, like. But it's kind of that conversation where they realize, you know, we actually have a lot in common. Like, 
they're kind of trying to think of the right word. Um, they're two kind of parallel characters just at different points uh, in their lives where they, and that's kind of the moment where they realize that and get this mm-hmm. understanding. Um, and, and yeah, I, I totally agree that that interaction between them is crucial to who they both end up being at the end of the movie too. Luckily, the people in charge of Star Wars also think he's an interesting enough character that he gets his own Disney TV, Disney Plus TV show, which I believe is already wrapped. So we should be getting that next year. So when I twenty twenty two, when I heard they were doing a movie about Cassian, I thought, okay, well, there are better whatever. characters to have picked. Yeah, and then I rewatched this movie again. And my mind... It kind of gets you excited changed. for it, right? 100%. Because I I remembered him being just kind of bland and there. But... I... I can be completely honest with you. I didn't like him the first time I saw him. I, I didn't either that much. <laughs> However, um, after re-watching it, there's so much that kind of brings brings up like questions about why is he the way he is and all that sort of stuff. It's almost kind of, um, you know, Rogue One answered a question about Star Wars. You know, everyone's always wondered, like, why why did they have these Death Star plans and why was there this super obvious flaw in the Death Star? And they've always kind of been these interesting mysteries um, and Rogue One answered that question. And I kind of feel like Cassian's kind of the same way in that there's this interesting character with all these questions that need to be answered um, that I just, I, I didn't see it. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped about the uh, Cassian Andor show just so um, a lot of those questions can be answered and find out more about why the character is the way he is in this movie. Yes, it's... After the rewatch, like you said, the so after this movie came out, the show Narcos Mexico. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the Narcos shows on Netflix. I've I've heard of Narcos, never watched it. Really good. I like those shows. But the Mexico Narcos Mexico, he plays one of the main uh, one of the main characters in it. So it was super awesome to see him in that. After that, they just seeing that rewatching this again loving that actor now i'm with you i can't wait for the the uh disney plus show cool hopefully next year early i want it i want all the star wars uh alan tudyk playing the oh i didn't even write that as k2so okay so alan tudyk played to k2so if you don't know who he is, I know a lot of people know him as a beloved Firefly star. Um, he was also, he's a voice actor for a lot of cartoons, kids shows. All, a lot of people should recognize that voice. Um, played one of my favorite Star Wars droids. This K2SO yep. is amazing. Totally agree. It's, it's to the point where like, even if he doesn't start off on the uh, Cassian show, I sure hope that he is in it. I don't. Oh, I haven't checked the, I the Cassian. About that. 
I haven't checked the Cassian like cast if it's even released or leaked or anything, but I really hope K2's in there at some point. Uh, I do too. Um so the thing I like about K2SO versus what what was the uh L337 L337 who who was interesting but kind of felt forced in a lot of moments. I never really felt like anything with K2SO really felt forced. Like it like it fit in perfectly. Um He fit into that crew 100%. And just kind of you know the general snarkiness I like the I like at the end, you know, where uh you know, Jen hands him the gun and he's so surprised. He's like, you know, you never failed to surprise me, Jen or so. Um, <laughs> y- you know, he's he's kind of always learning and <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I found, you know, kind of so funny is he's kind of C-3PO-like in that he's statistically kind of annoying. However... He's willing to admit when he's wrong also. Yeah, he's a uh, he's like the rude version of C3PO. C3PO is just the annoying guy that tries to talk when he shouldn't. K2SO talks when he shouldn't to be rude. <laughs> to I w- to I say things s- that he's not saying them to be rude, but the way blunt. he comes across is rude. Yes, blunt. There you go. Like what is it when she he first meets Jin, he's like, she gets a blaster and I don't. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, you know what the odds of her using that blaster on you are? <laughs> Be quiet, K2. They're high. <laughs> Very high. Uh, like, or the, my, I think one of my favorite lines is when he first introduces, when he's saving Jin. What was it? Uh, Congrats, you are being rescued. Please <laughs> do not resist. Yes. <laughs> I love it. That was your intro to K2SO. Yeah. And, and like the irony of that line, you're kind of like, yeah. okay, what's up with this character? And like, f- it, it was, it's, it's so fit, so fitting for K2. Love it. Um, Next you get into the dynamic duo of Swugga for the longest time when they came out. But that would be Donnie Yin. I'm going to talk about him individually only because Donnie Yin deserves... I could talk about him for <coughs> forever. Donnie Yin as Chirrut Imway. I have a question for you. Have you ever watched Ip Man or ne- the Ip Man movies? Never heard of Ip Man. That's what made Donnie Yin famous. And he he is my favorite martial artist. If you have never seen Ip Man, everyone that's listening to this, they are all on Netflix and they are amazing. And that's IP Ip Man. IP Man. There's four of them. The third one has Mike Tyson in it, and he fights him. Oh, they're <laughs> movies. Yeah, they are amazing. Probably, I don't. I never watched Ip Man until after I saw Rogue One, and that made me appreciate the fact that they were able to get Donnie Yin into their movie that much more. And then, then, and then it made me upset that Donnie Yin, or as Chirrut, didn't get to show off his fighting skills even remotely as much as he should have interesting he's just amazing martial artist suddenly in star wars out of no one anywhere everyone was 
talking about this because they knew who he was from Ip Man and yeah. other movies. And I, now that I know, I'm like, wow, the things that he did in that movie were like mild compared to the things that I know that he can do. Well, and, uh, and the, the that... real Ip Man, by the way, the real Ip Man is the one that trained Bruce Lee. Interesting. <laughs> so everything Bruce Lee knows, he learned from Ip Man, who was brought to the screen by Donnie Yen. Um, and that that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, kind of as you talked about earlier about why you know so many people remembered Chariot and found him to be an interesting character that they wanted to kind of look more into and stuff. Um, that that would make sense. Oh, it's not karate chip. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, Wing Zhang as Baze Malbus, credited with a lot of movies that I've never seen. He has a okay. lot of movies under his belt, but the fact movie those two together had a bond, one of those bonds in Star Wars movies, like many of the others, Star Wars or Chewbacca Han, you know, any of those buddies, just Baze and Shirt. Yep. You can see it in a one-off movie. Pretty awesome. Uh, other main character, the last main character to mention here, Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic. He he was freaking awesome. He well, could play as a guy that you are scared of, and he can also play as a groveling uh, Imperial officer underneath Vader. Um, he looks familiar from something i cannot remember what it is that he plays in that i recognize him from the only thing i wrote down is that he was talos but he looks like an alien in marvel i have no uh, idea so. who talos is. have you seen captain marvel no well talos is the main bad guy in that movie who actually well if you've never seen captain marvel then i won't robin know. hood that's Anyways. what it was it was in robin hood yes which one there's a bunch of them. The the one from a couple years ago. Okay, I, that's the only one I haven't seen. So, interesting. Yeah, he's been in a lot of things. Uh, not a lot that I he recognize. was the sheriff of Nottingham. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. That's one I need to see. I love Robin Hood movies. I don't know why I never ever always missed that one. The man, the uh, interesting enough were to... not nice to that Robin Hood movie. <laughs> Good lord. I think that's partially why I didn't see it. 15% but... audience score was 40%. I thought it was fine. Yeah, it's a story we all know. So as long as you can get into the characters that you already know, they don't have to build them up that much. So, Big Deal says he was in Ready Player One. I have not seen that. I own it. Somehow I still haven't watched it. Okay, but... I keep hearing about Ready Player One. I, I don't... I don't know what the obsession is with that movie, but I really want to see it. Yeah. I mean, it's like a video game turned movie. It yeah. looks really cool. Yeah, I just, the, I've the never premise taken the sounds time. interesting. Um, but yeah, so he does play Talos in the MCU, which there's a, a Disney Plus TV show called Secret Invasion coming that will feature Ben Mendelsohn as Talos in it. So you're going to see a lot of more Ben Mendelsohn in Disney stuff. Um, let's see. Other actors of note, Forrest Whitaker's Saw Gerrera. Like I said, bringing Clone Wars content again to the big screen. 
And by Clone Wars, I mean not prequel stuff. Like Clone Wars cartoon content. All that deep dive cartoon goodness being brought to the big screen. Um, uh, my favorite Force Whitaker movie. Um, I'm pretty sure it was him. Give me one second. I'm going to look. That dude's in a lot of stuff. Uh, I swear he was in Phone Booth. Have you seen that movie? I have seen that Phone Booth. I believe. Long, long time ago. I believe he was the cop in that movie. I love that movie. Very clever. Anyway, that's totally beside the point. He was in S.H.I.E.L.D., I believe. The TV show? Never seen it. Oh, man. S.H.I.E.L.D. was one of my favorite TV shows ever. Um, yeah, he was in the S.H.I.E.L.D. That dude's... For 13 episodes, and that is the one thing that I will always remember Forrest Whitaker <gasps> from was the S.H.I.E.L.D. Dude, he was in Good Morning Vietnam. That's oh, yeah. a good movie. If we're looking at Star Wars, he was in four episodes of uh, uh, Rebels as well as Clone Wars. Okay, interesting. So he's always played um, Saw Gerrera. Yep, which is also why people were excited to have that he was the one playing Saw. I like that they're doing that. A lot of those characters that were just voice actors for these characters... They're still playing them when they come to the big screen, and I think that's that's proven to do pretty well for Star Wars so far. It would have been interesting to see Ashley Erickson. I think it's Ashley Erickson, right? Is that mm. her name? The one that plays Ahsoka. Oh, no. Um... The voice actor for the Clone Wars cartoon. Uh... Eckstein, Ashley Eckstein. Is her name? I, I don't think that her as the voice actress would have transposed to the screen to play Ahsoka as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm I not... think Rosario Dawson works out. Yeah, well. she's great. Um, all right, moving along to um, Riz Ahmed as Bodhi Rook. Dude, Bodhi is a, also another character that I love, by the way. Um, yeah. Totally uh, underappreciated by the characters of that movie for what he did. So, he's... He's very Finn-like. Yeah. Just... Just wasn't maybe touted as much, but probably did more <laughs> i mean like if you without that message from him would they have known yeah i mean yeah. yeah the message he brought to saw was the message that told them that the death star plans were on scarif they would have never known where those death star plans were that's that's him. a good point and then on top of that to be a defector, right? Huge. Imagine 
Palpatine or Vader getting a hold of you. Yeah, no. Or anyone in the Empire for that matter. Yeah, they would they would not uh, they would not be lenient. I yeah, suspect. so I liked I liked that character a lot. I thought he was really cool. And an interesting yeah. little interesting note about the actor. Apparently, he's a rapper. Interesting. So I'm kind of interested he to go look him up like now. It too. I could see his that. name is Riz MC. So for everyone out there listening. If you weren't looking for martial art movie recommendations, now I'm giving out rap recommendations. Rizm C, check him out. Hmm. Uh, another one, Mads Mikkelsen as Galen Erso. Mads Mikkelsen, great actor. If you ever, if you watch the Hannibal TV show, he played Hannibal, did awesome job at that. Also, he was Caecilius in the Doctor Strange movies. Um, I also know him from something. Uh, he played in a James Bond movie, if I recall correctly. Casino Royale, I think. I think that's the name I saw. I believe it was Casino Royale. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the movie I remember him from. Love Casino Royale. What an amazing movie. And he was a great actor. Um, so, I mean, he's he kind of played a similar type character in both of those movies and i uh as far as someone working on the inside i'm not sure how to just kind of personality i guess okay um kind of dry but but still like I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to describe it, but I I think he was an excellent choice uh, to play Galen or so. Well, imagine being picked to be the character that closes the biggest plot hole in all of Star Wars. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> that is a great point. Um, like there you go, Mads. You're going to be the character everyone remembers as when they talk about the biggest plot point in Star Wars ever. Yep. Why did the Star Wars have this glaring hole? I, I want to get back to that point later after we finish kind of running through these guys. All right, so the last few I wanted to mention, Anthony Daniels obviously was in it as C-3PO. Warwick Davis, who's been in so many Star Wars movies as different characters, <laughs> played a rebel named Weetief Siubi. And then on top of that, Gareth Edwards put himself in the movie playing a uncredited rebel soldier and then the most interesting one i saw when looking through the uncredited characters this was surprising ryan johnson uncredited as an imperial technician very interesting i I had no idea never would have guessed (laughs) right very cool though surprise at that point i'm pretty sure he was already you know, the director of The Last Jedi started work on it. So it's probably like, hey, I'm here today. You know, you want to be in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yep. So. Give me a so. suit. Yeah, let's go. Head over there to uh, the Death Star. Yeah, we'll see you there. All right, now we've, uh, we move on to some of the 
plot points and show notes that we made for this movie as we watched through it. First up, no scroll. First movie without first Star Wars movie without a scroll. Good point. Made the mistake of thinking that was solo, but it turns out that's a Star Wars story thing. And I heard from Kathleen Kennedy that the reason that there were no scrolls in uh, these movies was because the expectation with a scroll is that there are more than one movie. That's what she said. I don't see why, but that's what she said. Huh. Interesting. Yep. Um, Next up, uh, very from the very beginning of the movie, the introduction of one of the newest uh, troopers in the Empire, the Death Trooper. Yeah, who had some of the coolest armor we'd seen up until that point. The Death Troopers on a trooper. Yes, I mean we've gotten so many new troopers since then. They were the uh, they were the ones that started it off, though. Them and then the shore troopers. Then you had the range troopers and solo. You've got uh, Dark Troopers from uh, Mandalorian. There are so many cool troopers Sith these days. Troopers. Not to mention those freaking uh, f- the Fire Troopers from Mandalorian Season 1. Like, so many cool troopers now. Oh, yeah. Death Troopers leading it off, though. That armor was crazy Yep. at the time when they, they released They're it. They're very menacing look looking. Like, like you know stormtroopers never looked that scary but you see death troopers like in all black like they look like they're they're there to do business yeah they're freaking badass yeah well first off shooting uh gosh i can't even remember jen's mom's name before she could shoot but are still maya or mara mara was it mara lira I think it was a star with hell maybe was, either way they shot her didn't no second thought then i'll call so when in the later on in the movie shooting all the uh engineers or that were working on the desk that worked on the death star death troopers by name showed it for sure yep um You have anything so, else from anything on that uh, planet you wanted to mention? One one thing that I thought it, that was kind of interesting that Krennic said when he's talking about you get peace with terror, and uh, you know Galen's kind of pushing back, and Krennic's like, "Well, got to start somewhere," and like he's. He's very ends justify the means type type character where Galen or so not not so much. Um, you know, I think they did a really good job kind of with that line and that sequence telling you exactly who Krennic is like to the point. He's got throat. He wants to get the job done. It's that's pretty much it. I mean, he's a pretty simple character. And, um, you know, that's kind of very you know, fitting for the Empire. I would say very simple, very Empire fitting, while still being different enough as a 
character that uh, you uh, he has his own thing going. Yep. Basically, you had. We'll get there with Darth Vader when he talks to Krennic, but let's go ahead and talk. About you it. have okay. Let's talk about it right now. There's a scene with Darth Vader. First time you see Darth Vader in this movie. Um, where earlier, right before he, this happens, Tarkin took over the Death Star after Krennic spent all the time getting it built, being in charge of it, thought he was going to be, you know, the captain of the Death Star, basically, and got it taken from him. And he's one of the few. I don't. I can't really think of any Empire officers, and this is what makes him different, while still being that simple Empire officer, someone that shows his aspirations in the empire as much as he does because the second he Vader tells him to get the death star ready and to do what he needs to do, uh, to fix the problems. He's like, Oh, so I'm back in charge. Yeah. And then you get that line that everyone you either loved or hated from Vader after he force choked him. Who hated that line? Oh man. I saw so many people hating that. Vader would make a off-the-cuff comment like that. Why? Just because it was like a joke. They're like, "Why you got to take something him being so menacing and turn it into a joke?" See, people were mad. They were so really, yeah. So, so the line was, "Don't choke on your aspirations." Yes, the line. Don't remember not to choke on your aspirations. I, I, I I feel like that was pretty fitting for that scene because i mean like th- that is the only thing that krennic is concerned about he mm-hmm. I, I mean well vader's telling him hey you need to make sure that you fix this and make sure that there are no problems that will blow up the death star yep and uh and then his only thought is the only thing he says back to vader is oh i'm back in charge which is why Vader turns around. Well, it's like, did you it, not hear what I said? And, and something else that makes that line a lot more, you know, believable and everything. Whenever you look at like episode four, that scene where they're in the room and they're talking about, um, you know, the ability to destroy a planet, you know, is insignificant compared to the power of the force. I think that was line by Vader. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really does kind of show like Vader's obsession with, you know, his old religion, as they call it. And how everyone else kind of sees the death star as like, kind of as they call it, the ultimate power in the universe. Vader's not really on board there. And, you you know, I think that line's pretty fitting with that ideology that he kind of has. That He he kind of has an almost annoyance or lack of respect for the Death Star in a way uh, because of that. Yeah, I can see that. You got one, two, two opposing forces here, which, which you know, you would think that that would make Krennic more focused on the fact that if there is a flaw in the Death Star, we have to fix it, right? Because that's the one thing keeping us, keeping these planets in line, 
not yep. the, not the force, right? So, yep. um, um, and then the um, uh, you don't care about just kind of finishing off with critic his because I mean these are kind of the whole highlights of his character in the movie. Don't choke on your aspirations, but ultimately, what ends up killing Krennic? the death star so i mean it kind of mm. comes full circle on mm. yeah y- you know the thing that he is obsessed with and so damn co- concerned about is ultimately the thing that uh ends up killing him how's that for irony um the other one I wanted to mention, something else I want to mention, the Ring of Kafrin. This place. So basically, this is the first place where you meet Cassian. But I'm going to be completely honest. There are so many episodes of Clone Wars focused on the underworld of Coruscant. And you got Tatooine, the hive of Ooh. scum and villainy. Some of the Star I Wars want, books I, as well, um, I believe Aftermath, there is... Uh, there's a very large number of scenes kind of about that Coruscant underworld. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy to me. Yeah, not crazy to me. Uh, let me just say this. I think CD underworld planets are some of the more cooler places to have stories. Like that Ring of Kafrin where like it's all dark. It's all back back alley roads. People are meeting in corners doing, you know, spice and or people are cooking up whatever they can find in their little uh, pots right on the street selling, you know, whatever they can to see, to get by all the crime, all that type of stuff. I love that. And that is part of the reason I really look forward to this bo- book of Boba because you know who Jabba the Hutt was. You know Tatooine. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that more of the underworld type part of that show. But just seeing that Ring of Kafrin and the way that looked, made me think of just how all these Clone Wars episodes that were in the underworld of Coruscant coming to life. That's what I imagine it looked like you know, on the live screen. So when yeah. I saw that in this movie, I just want more of it. Um, I also have written here that Cassian shooting the informant basically right off the bat with Cassian showing you who he is. Yeah. Like he is a spy that will do anything yep. to preserve his own cover because if the Empire had caught that guy he would have given up Cassian and Cassian couldn't let that happen so nope. killed him um wings new type of ship so we got new troopers but we also got a new ship the wings. those things are freaking cool another letter ship I know. Yeah, right. You got the you had the Y wings, you had the A wings, you had the B wings, you had the uh, X wings. Now you have U wings. And is it just me or is the B wing the only one that doesn't actually look like the letter it's given a name of? Yeah, why is it a B wing? I have no idea. Is it supposed to look like a lowercase B? I don't know. Um, Uh, Somebody let us know. Because I mean all. Pretty sure every other uh, letter ship, letter ship. I mean, looks like it. Yeah, I mean, 
the B-Wing just is so out of place. I mean... It's weird looking, too. Uh, B-Wing, if you were to rank the letter ships, B-Wing is last on my rankings. It looks like it should be called a T-Wing. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. I don't know. Not a fan. Pretty cool ship, though. Just another one of those things where they're like, let's add another new thing to Star Wars lore. Yeah. Why aren't the, the imp ships called the Y-Wings? That's a good question. The Why aren't the, those other imp ships called the Sea Turtles? Well, that you know which ones I'm sense. talking about. Sea Turtles. <laughs> the ones that have the big body on it and then it has the four wings on it when it takes off they look like sea turtle legs dude <laughs> those things are sea turtles oh, that's nice. a sea turtle ship nice. every time i see it take off and the wings flap down i'm like it looks like a sea turtle swimming off to space yeah i can kind of see that <laughs> can't, can't really disagree um yeah but the u-wing i think is a it, it's really the first ship like first newer ship in Star Wars that they've introduced that I actually thought was pretty cool looking and that I wish we saw more of. Um, that's, I think that's about the only light side ship that I don't have in my Lego collection. Well, you and should I change want that. one. Really? I do because they had they have a Cassian U-wing uh, Lego set. I just never bought it. I need it. I need it. <laughs> um let's see is gnp drunk i typed y wings listen man sea turtle it's a i'm talking about the different ship the one you're talking about looked like a devil all right i mean this is about as far as what I letter am. is I, that what letter is that which the sea turtle no what letter is he typing in chat w Oh, yes, not why. You, no. you, you kept calling it a why. I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, oh God. I said what you said. Oh, oh listen. Oh, I'm getting oh, old. I'm getting amazing. old, okay? I have gout. Oh. My eyes are apparently going bad, even though I have contacts. In oh, Leave oh. me alone. For the record, those of you listening, uh, Chippy wrote in the chat, "Why aren't the Imperial shuttles called W wings?" Which apparently I said, "Why?" And he so. said, "Why?" Which didn't sound funny, but I was going to correct him, and then I never got the chance. <laughs> and, and then he wrote it in chat. He said, "Don't it worry, again. Chippy's got it." And I didn't even notice. I'm like, oh. I did say Y wings. <coughs> Anyways. Oh. Goodness. Just another classic goodnight punk moment. Um, but I think that is a fair question because they do, I mean, the Imperial shuttles do kind of look like W-Wings. The Rebels are like, don't steal our thing. That's, that's Letter, Letters true. are our thing. That's true. <laughs> Wouldn't All it right. be interesting? That Just random thought. Okay. Wouldn't it be interesting to see? Because these ships are not Rebel built. Right? How come there aren't Imperial X Wings? Do they just not think the TIE Fighter is a better fi- pilot ship? Why wouldn't they have a mix? 
why don't the Lions try putting 12 on their quarterback and seeing what happens? I, don't, I think a better – I'm not even going to comment on that. I think that a better uh, a better way to, to phrase that is the Navy doesn't have – all of their fighter ships, fighter uh, uh, planes are not the same type. They have multiple types. I know, I know. There's a lot of types of Y wings, but why aren't why wouldn't these mass-produced ships? Why wouldn't both sides have them? Are Tie Fighters just not available to the Rebel? Well, think. I mean, it's about what they order. I mean, like if say if a production company that makes whatever product. You have one company ordering one thing, another company ordering a different thing. Why would they want to order that same thing? Like, that, that would be kind of silly. Well, well after, the first mention, Death, after the first Death Star was destroyed, they weren't like, hey, maybe these X-Wings are better than TIE Fighters. You think we should just start ordering X-Wings? No, but the, no? no, no, no. Here's something you forget about. The Empire has... All this other political crap that goes on with it, more so. Got to use these fancy twin uh, ion engine ships. Mm-hmm. It's it's really important. So, um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's it's probably more about the pilots. And the way they control the ships, the way they drive. Maybe the Empire owns or has something, owns the planet. Not owns, but is in control of the planet that has, makes those ships. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You never, I don't remember, and it might be in books, might be in the cartoons, but no rebels have fly TIE fighters. And they obviously know how because uh, Poe did it in The Force Awakens. Yeah, but... um, (laughs) was like a really good pilot and he had trouble flying the the tie like he kind of bumped it around and stuff trying to do so and actually something in the new star wars movies is kind of interesting which i thought was by far probably the most interesting aspect of the last jedi was the whole just kind of i guess capitalist system that they show where you know, it is. Uh, it's kind of the same people building all of those ships. Yeah. You know, they're just they're they're building the product what their customer wants. They're just wants. doing it it's for not, money. Yeah, it's not, not like most companies would. That's what I mean. Like Ford wouldn't be like, oh, we're only selling to the Empire, right? They're like, oh, you want a hundred of them too? Okay, we got yeah. you. Be like, are you sure you don't want two hundred? Like arms dealers, they don't pick a side in war. I mean, that might be a bad example because I'm not friends with any arms dealers, so I don't know the exact inner workings of arms dealers. But if if two countries at war came to the same person, they're going to sell weapons regardless, as long as you give right. them money. So, and I'm sure those arms dealers, like the empire, comes to them, and then you know those those dealers are probably wanting the empire to mandate that everybody in the galaxy buys their ships, right? I mean, why wouldn't they? 
Right? And then you got, we're going down a very deep rabbit hole here, but you know, <laughs> then you've got all these shipbuilders starting to give discounts, right? So it's bargaining for that contract, kind of like real life, right? Mm-hmm. Where's that Where's that movie? Pretty wild. Star Wars, economics, a Star Wars story. I'll be honest. I would think <laughs> a lot of that stuff would be kind of interesting. Like, there's there's a lot of that kind of... What is the banking clan? Make a banking clan movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seriously, I, I I would be down for that. I, I, Intergalactic the, banking clan, a Star Wars story. Whenever we did the Last Jedi podcast about the Last Jedi, I recall talking about how I found that aspect of that movie arguably the most interesting thing in that movie is that kind of conflict you know between you know producers and sellers and the resistance and the first order empire whatever they are um i don't know i i I think there's some stuff there to be pretty cool to kind of explore more by the way, housekeeping item. Sure. Um, chosen Ones. You can look it up on podcast apps. The original podcast ones or Chosen Ones. You cannot listen to them anymore. They are That's all... That's accurate. Yes. So we might need to do a drop on some of these movie Chosen Ones that we've dropped. And then maybe before Mando Season 3 drops, maybe we drop all of our Season 1 stuff. Uh, because... Uh, you were just talking about our chosen ones on The Last Jedi, which I thought to myself, man, that would be really cool to go back and listen to our original thoughts on that movie right when it came out. Yeah. But currently you can't, and I know a lot of people would probably feel the same, so mm. we should look into uh, getting those out on our main Shattered Order feed. You know it would be interesting? What's that, a rewatch? <laughs> exactly. Do a rewatch of each of those movies So, and talk about our opinions now. And we could upload both those episodes immediately after seeing the movie when it came out, and then several years later, now after rewatching it again and kind of absorbing and understanding more of the story and where it ultimately went and all that sort of stuff. Seeing if it really did tie into right. They and then to. people could That'd listen and contrast our dumbass opinions. With our own dumbass opinions. Yes, exactly. I love when people point out where I make... I completely negate myself. That's my favorite thing. I do it a lot. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um, that that first shot of the Death Star, when they're dropping the, the, uh, the dish, the big divot where the laser comes out, that was super awesome. Oh, yeah. Yep, just the general construction of the Death Star. Very yeah. cool. Out in space. Yep. I mean, I did. I I don't know why. I thought you would build a planet down on a planet, but apparently, yeah, it'd be very difficult to do. Yeah. So really cool watching them drop that dish in. But that was that was the point where you got to see Tarkin for the first time, mm-hmm. talking with uh, Krennic. You know, watching the whole time that those two are talking, the Death Star's in the background on purpose because, hey, everybody wants to see the Death Star, right? Yeah. And it's not just there. They're actually constructing it in the background. You can watch that thing dropping into place as that scene's going on. And the whole scene is those two fighting. 
But it's not just them fighting about some idea. They're fighting over the thing that's in the background, the Death Star, that ultimately Tarkin ends up taking over, which, you know, really good um, directing there. Um, You know, I talked about how that whole last third of the movie is just absolutely beautiful. The first scene in this movie that stuck out to me as like, just holy shit, that's awesome. When they destroyed Jetta from the Death Star, and you have the planet exploding up. Oh, and they're showing the Death Star from the side, and you see the how close the the explosion yes, gets like to the bottom going, of the Death Star. Oh man, that was cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome! I loved it so much. Well, let's talk about Jetta because that's another thing, right? First, they did blow it up, but the entire that's the whole movie, right? The the whole movie has this uh, these awesome visuals. Jeddah, when you first get there, or Jeddah City up on the hill, giant walls, massive Death Star hovering hundreds of feet above the uh, city. Very like I never thought about a freaking uh, star destroyer just going into a right on top of a freaking planet and just hovering there. Yeah, so cool. Um and I, I my I just made like 16 guttural noises trying to think trying to get out every thought that was coming in my head at the same moment. The Right. The fact that they're taking kyber crystals, did we know that before that kyber crystals were powering the Death Star? No. That the very thing that the so. Jedi used to power their lightsabers to nope. keep balance into the galaxy is the one very thing being used to destroy the galaxy now that the Jedi nope. are gone. And they were mining it from like an old Jedi temple. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing I have here is the Guardians of the Wills, right? Yep. So all of the Guardians of that temple that are now basically displaced... No, uh, to say the least. no, uh, purpose, no anything. And then you meet the first two, you meet two of them, right? You met Chirrut and you met Baze. Baze being the one that after the Jedi are gone, he loses his faith in the, in the, uh, force, but, uh, doesn't lose faith in his friend. And you got Chirrut who will never, his belief in the force, his, his, uh, connection to the force never bends never breaks yep. and then you got those two best friends right there right yeah i thought one thing about Chirrut that i really like is the fact that he is not he is not a jedi but he has to have some kind of connection to the force because he is a blind man who can do incredible things yes um yep. and he's not Daredevil, so... <laughs> are, but, I mean, are we sure he's not a Jedi? He... He's not... He wasn't in the Order. He was one of the people... Guardians of the Wills were not Jedi, as far as I'm aware. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I see from a technicality aspect yes um i mean 
There it is. The Guardians of Wills, also known as the Guardians of the Kyber Temple, were a religious order that existed at least a few years before the invasion of Naboo. The Guardians later acted as a resistance group of monks active in Jeddah City on Jeddah during the Imperial Era. Okay. They traditionally handcrafted the Light Bow, a complicated form of bowcaster native to Jeddah, such as the one used by Chert Imwe in the Battle of Scarif. The Guardians protected both the Temple of Kyber and the pilgrims who visited it. Interesting, the the bowcaster stuff. Monks, man. <laughs> hmm. But I mean, like, he has access to the Force, so... I think... So, it, it what I liked about these guys is it shows that you don't have to be a dark side, a, a Jedi or a Sith to be a Force user. You know, that's kind of an interesting point because this movie came out around the same time as the new trilogy. And I believe it is at the end of The Last Jedi where you do you see like the random kid with the kid moving the broom. Um, And that does seem to be something that they kind of started to move towards to thematically in Star Wars that, you know, anybody can be a force user. This isn't just for the special people. Like this, this can be anybody. And, um, you know, so that that would actually kind of tie in pretty well with kind of where they ultimately went with Star Wars. Yep, I agree. It, it, which, it's... which I guess that I mean, I, I guess that's not really a divergent because. I mean, look at Anakin. Explain. He was kind of that way. Oh, would when he, he have... was a kid. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. had he not been discovered, would he have found out that hey, like I have this ability, or, or was it just kind of forced? <laughs> See what I did there? Forced. Um, well, I mean, think of a. Uh... Asajj Ventress, right? Was never a Sith. She was trained by Dooku, but never a Sith. But a massive Force user. Right. Uh, Savage Depress, not a Sith. Maul, not a Sith. Yep. Force users. Well, wait. Maul was a Sith. But he failed his master, so they had to find a second apprentice. But, yeah. Basically. Interesting. It's just interesting. So there aren't a lot of characters like him using force that are not right. black and white, right? So, uh, as far as Jeddah goes, the other thing I wanted to say here was that knowing who Donnie Yen is, I needed a lot more Donnie Yen fight scenes because that fight scene where he he stands up and he's talking to like a whole platoon of stormtroopers. Let them pass. Like, oh, you talking about in Jetta City? Yeah, and the, yeah. all the stormtroopers are like, who, "What's this blind guy think he's doing?" And yeah. then he, he he just continues to kick all of their asses. Well, and, and that's kind of the first hint at where part of his ability comes from is his ability to hear insanely well. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, so I, I thought it was pretty cool. They kind of highlighted that a little bit. Yep. 
Let's see, what else do I have here? The Jetta City explosion. We were talking about just how cool Jetta look Jetta City look, but to see yep. the Death Star's first shot, which apparently they have shots that don't kill entire planets. That was also what you learned. They're like, just charge it once. We'll blow up a city on the planet, not the entire planet. <laughs> right? Yep. But the damage that one charge does to Jetta City, to Scarif, and just watching the ripple effect. It's like a, a tsunami wave coming at you that's just... What is K2SO season? He's like, we have a problem on the horizon. And Cassian's like, well, what's the problem? There is no horizon. Yeah. Because <laughs> the entire planet yeah. has folded in on as a wave coming at him. And that whole sequence, the visual effects of just the land tearing apart, tearing apart Saw Gerrera's, uh rebels base and everything where he... He dies, you know, so there's the end of a very long-running Star Wars character. Why would Jen have not grabbed that message? Um, The only thing I think of is he started playing it without plugging it in. So maybe she just didn't see where he plugged it in. I guess. Like, you'd think she'd want to take that with her, though. Yeah. Well, she was kind of in a. She was kind of sitting there staring at where the place where her dad was in a haze as the planet was blowing apart with no panic whatsoever. And then Cassian had to grab her and pick her up off the ground to start running. So that's a good point. Yeah. Had Cassian known that that was just what happened, because when he came into the room, it was gone. So he didn't even know that that was a thing. Had it, right. he known, he probably would have tried to grab it, you know. But yep, probably so. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. Oh, one other thing I want to talk about, Chirrut, while we're talking about him, the things I've written. That one in a million shot at Edu, where he just kind of sets that bowcaster on his arm and he listens. And he shoots that freaking TIE fighter. And then he's... it. Oh, yeah. Blows it up and it goes flying off and destroys the laser cannon. Yep. Tell me that's not the force. Like... <laughs> yep. That, that, that was awesome. And that was the first time he used the bowcaster part of his weapon. Because yep. until then, you thought it was just a stick. And uh, to throw this, some swagger in here, how come he doesn't shoot that thing at all in the game? He just beats people with a stick in there. There's no ability for him in that game where he shoots it. I thought, found that interesting when I was watching the movie. Since the, the entire second half of the movie, he's just shooting and not really hitting people with a stick. I don't know. Good question. Uh, the next part I had mentioned was Cassian in the ship, and we kind of already touched on that, but his conversation with with uh, Jin, basically where he's like, it's easy for you to judge me when, you know, right. I don't have the luxury of being caring about things when I want to. I've been stuck in this life since I was, what did he say, six? He's been a rebel ever since he was six years old. Like, that's yep. all he knows. So, very important part there because that is where Jin and Cassian, the respect between the two of them actually starts, I think. Yep. 
because up, up until, until that point it's all i mean they're they're kind yeah. of enemies in a way um they just had a job to do she wanted to be free so yep. she was getting them a job with saw that was yep. it but Pretty then once she saw her dad she knew what she had to do and it went beyond being free and then heard them talking about it yeah that was an awesome scene um the next part of this i wrote malachor because we already talked about the scene with krennic and vader but straight to malachor a place that was in a lot of the clone wars cartoon but not in any of the live actions until here so nice to see uh darth vader's temple on malachor why, why was I thinking that was a different? I believe that was that had to been Malachor because it had the temple that same one from the cartoons. I was thinking that was um the same planet he fought Obi Wan on. Oh, that that probably is what I was thinking. Mustafar. I yeah, couldn't. It was all... I couldn't think of the planet that I thought it was, but I was like, I think I know what planet that is. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Malakor. I think that was right. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so we've got to now we've moved to Scarf. So we're at the end of this movie, right? I didn't write a whole lot about Scarf because I was, I got to the point where I st- I got tired of writing. I just wanted to watch all the action because that end of that movie is amazing. Yes. Um, but one line I really loved in that right before they land on. Uh, on Scarif was when Cassian's t- trying to go get Delvia battle plans, right? They don't have very many people. They just got that one Ewing's worth of people. And right. he's like, me, K2, and Jin will go find the plans. You guys find a place to bunker down. <clears throat> and the line was, make 10, fin- 10 men feel like 100. Yep. And they did get reinforcements, but they didn't know they were coming. And those those small amount of rebels... It made a lot of noise for a long time against an entire garrison. It kind of reminded me of, as far as numbers go, it reminded me of the Alamo, right? Small amount of people entrenched in a, in a strategic spot and doing all the damage. And that was yeah. them. Um, one scene I'd like to point out right before they get to Scarif is the scene after the meeting where Mon Mothma ultimately tells them that no, the council doesn't agree while her and Belogana kind of seem to be on board with this. The council doesn't agree, but was it was it Akbar or one of the Mon Calamari man. Uh... Oh yeah. 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 I don't think I can't remember it was Akbar, Akbar or Radis. One of the two were there and they wanted to go to war too. Um, but there were just enough of the diplomats, diplomatic people, right. just like real life, don't know anything about fighting a war, but we're telling you don't go to war. Those are the um, ones that ultimately made it not happen. But then every you person have with a military scene. uniform wanted to go. I don't. It made. Come on. Anyways, well, go ahead. Yes, because they're military, <laughs> and they knew they could. Expected. <laughs> Sorry. Um, finish your thought. So the scene where Jen is kind of walking off and Cassian approaches her and she gets kind of kind of pissy with him like like you know you you don't believe me either and he's like no 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 it's, it's the exact opposite he's like 
you're right and all these other people they're with you too you know it's well what he said was, was the most the biggest thing there right i think you were about to say it right no what was the i don't remember what the line was well he's like if we if we didn't believe you and we didn't want fight for this all the bad things that we've done all the things we've t- we've we've convinced ourselves in our head that were okay yeah to have done for the rebellion would be for nothing yep if the rebellion just dissolves at this point all the bad things that we've done over all this time saying in the end that we would win would have been for nothing yep so you're right very huge conversation mm-hmm. there as far as you know these guys are like we're not ending here we don't care what they say if they don't want to fight this battle that's fine whether we go and die or we win at least we did in the end what we were fighting for we died fighting for yep basically for sure um not a whole lot else that i really want to mention other than um you know kind of the whole scene with the i guess the battle above scarif hammerheads man the hammerheads the the star destroyers crashing um man those it's so it just it's fun to watch it looks so good the the battles are like intense the the end of that movie is it's so fantastic you've got dog fighting you've got ATATs. you've got uh yeah you've got multiple star destroyers multiple big rebel ships bringing out more star fighters like that a there's there's a war going on and b you're seeing every aspect of it on the ground just above the ground in space everything and then they're how they finally get that uh the shield down was just freaking awesome yeah they're like oh well we've disabled the star destroyer why don't we just push it into another star destroyer and then it fall <laughs> All their all their bombs, all their shots could not destroy this shield generator. But guess mm. what? Two falling star destroyers have a lot to say about it. They are quite um, large. Yeah. Um, but... one more K2SO quote. In the elevator, as they get into the central part of the base on Scarif, he had yeah. one quote that is important in all of the Star Wars movies. He is the one in this movie that says, "I've got a bad feeling about this." Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he didn't quite get the whole line out because he said, I've got a bad feeling. And then Cassian Ka- basically tells him to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. This yeah, is about K2 the same moment. The this is about the same moment that uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO make their one appearance in this movie. Scarif? Nobody told me about Scarif. No. I was like, oh, there they, now they can say they were in this movie. Yep. Um, another important plot point that I think led right into A New Hope, beyond just the fact that they got the Death Star plans, they uh, filled that plot hole. 
when Luke joins the resistance, or not the resistance, the Rebel Alliance, he gets his own X-wing. What's his call sign? Uh, Red Five. Red Five, right? Well, if you pay attention, and I just caught this during the movie, they specifically call out. While they didn't call out any other pilots that died, Red Five is flying, saying he cannot. Say, or he's all over the comms. He's like, "This is Red Five. I can't shake him." And then his 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 X wing blows up. Interesting. So I thought it was interesting that they specifically made sure to say, "Hey, Red Five just died." So there's an opening as a Red Five in the uh, Red Squadron. That's good. I I didn't catch that. That's that's interesting. I like it. Well done. I also enjoyed okay. the since Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. I also enjoyed. The Bodie Rook Back to the Future nod. I don't know if you caught that. No, I did not. So when he runs out into the fire and the, the, the stormtroopers are coming and he plugs in that cable and he starts running towards the ship and he falls back because it was too short. So kind of like in Back to the Future when Doc is plugging the uh, power up to the... Uh, he's plugging the power up to the clock tower and then he goes to run it to plug it in and he just is caught short and the whole like the whole part of that movie is like him trying to plug it in before the DeLorean hits it so they can actually send him back in time Bodie running with the power cord can't plug it in in time to for them to send the message I thought that was awesome I might be the only one that ever saw that <laughs> Yeah, I that's untrue that, but... there are a lot of smart people out there but I I love Back to the Future, so whether it was a reference or not, it looked a lot like it. That's fine. Um, cool. A, very sad. Loved watching K2SO keep uh, Jin and Cassian safe. Nope. Uh, Chirrut turning on the lever to relay the comms to tell them to blow, get rid of that... Uh, shield as fast as possible and then yep. him dying and Baze going god mode because yep. his friend was dead and then their deaths the biggest and, thing I wanted to say well oh, that, that was almost kind of another redemption story too because what does Baze start saying oh uh, yes his fr- the, the phrase his friend had been saying the entire movie I'm what is it the force, uh, the force is with me yes as he was, you know, avenging his friend's death. Very, very true. And the most important one to me, and this, I saw this the first time I watched the movie, and it annoyed me because I saw something that was about to happen that didn't actually happen, but I was very afraid of. I thought Jin and Cassian were going to start kissing before they died. <laughs> and the fact that they didn't makes me very happy. The fact they did not make they did not that was that would be like a few seconds of something that was definitely not needed. I mean, I think it would make sense in that moment. Yeah, I I wouldn't have had an issue with it. I just it would have added an element that didn't need to be there. I think it would have made sense, like you said. I just. Hugging as the as it as it happened, I was fine with that. I just thought, I was like, well, let's not make that the point here. 
They all just died yeah. getting the Death Star plans. Because that wasn't their relationship either. I mean, it was... It kind of became like a professional respect and love for each other. You know, just I'm, understanding how much they had in common in a way. Um, I, I just didn't want it to turn into a romantic thing between them. Because like you said, it turned into a professional... It turned into a friendship. And the hug there at the end, to me, it was like, you know, they had resolved all the things between them that separated yeah. them. And right. they were dying as friends. That's what right. I was happy with. So, And then you can't end this movie without talking about the final scene. Which is one of the best things in Star Wars. I, I totally agree. The Where, you know, she gives r2 the the plans um i mean it i I agree probably the best scene of the entire movie and with that we have talked about rogue one anything else you want to say nope (laughs) later yeah darth vader man best scene in all not all the stars but a very very good scene it is a damn good scene. I was obviously joking about the Leonardo thing. But, um, yeah, the, the Darth Vader scene, um, it it's another one of those moments where the contrast, the lighting, the just everything, it looks so good. Like, the, this... Well, one of the other things, like... Darth Vader's this menacing force, right? Throughout the original trilogy, but you never see him being a menacing force. You just right. see him choking people. That's it. And he fights a couple times. And those weren't, I mean, I guess they were good for the time, but this set up more of the intro of just how menacing he was. Yep. And just watching him barrel through about 20 rebel troopers trying to get those Death Star plans before they took off was just awesome. Yep. And completely... And, you know, it's funny because this has only happened in 2016. That's how big this scene is. But it was completely copied and redone with his own son in uh, 2019. Three years later. Wait, what? Luke, in season two, or maybe that was, that was 2020. The scene at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 with Luke beating, killing all the dark oh, troopers to go get I Grogu. Got I got you. Father and son. Yeah. Two of the coolest scenes in Star Wars. <laughs> That's a pretty good point. I hadn't thought about the fact that they had <clears throat> almost kind of redone that scene, um, basically. Good catch, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That that scene with Darth Vader is awesome. It just... It just it was on screen and not in cartoon form showing Vader being a badass. The badass that they talked about him being the entire original trilogy. Yep. So, yeah. For sure. Like, you know now why he gets that reputation. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I think last time we did this with me and Richie, I did a, what would you rate this movie out of 10? Nine and a half. 
I think I'm right there with you. I I mean, it's like I've kind of said the whole time here. It's I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie. The the storyline, the plot holes that it filled. I I think the idea to fill that plot hole of why did this Death Star have such a stupid design flaw? Mm-hmm. To to make it such a compelling story part that <clears throat> you know what they did to Galen Urso basically took him from his child, murdered his wife, forced him to do this thing. And he he had a plan to fall in line so that he could put a flaw in it. Because he's the only one that could have done it. Like, mm-hmm. the hell he went through all that time to get that revenge. Just really, really, really fantastic. Um, Not to mention the final nail in his choice. coffin. Yeah. Right before he dies, watching all his Imperial friends be killed. Yep. Yep. Absolutely awesome. There's there's a lot of times where they kind of retcon, you know, story. Contract first. Exactly. That's a good one. (laughs) Um I mean, there's a number in different movies where it just doesn't work out. They try to explain what happens, and it it falls flat on its face. But but the Death Star weakness, the Galen Urso thing, is fantastic. It's just it's really great storytelling. It's a great way to compel all these Star Wars nerds into into being like yeah that's that's pretty cool that it wasn't just a complete screw up you know mm-hmm. um, I, I it was on purpose the... and not an accident correct yes so. yep I'm with yep. you man I loved it I think that the pre- whole premise of the movie uh, thank goodness that the producer stepped in and made it so that Everyone died. Everyone died because that just makes the most sense to me with a movie where you're on a planet and you are fighting to the last chance you have at the last second for it to work out. There's a 10% chance this is going to happen and for them to work it out to that 10% chance actually happening. What what is it? K2SO. I keep quoting the guy. He said there was a 19% chance they made it to get up there and send the plans and they managed to do it with everything working out. I mean, Bodie Rook dying just as he sent the message to take down the the shields and just everything in that movie, the way it was written was all these characters did what they had to do to make this happen. Bodie died sending the message. Jurit died making sure the message could be sent. Um, I mean, they they died doing what they had to do to protect everybody to... mm -hmm they gave their lives for what they believed in which is something they talk about in Star Wars but I mean these were the characters that really did it and I, I always always think that's a uh, compelling storyline absolutely well you got any final thoughts or are you good there I, I think I'm pretty good um, I think you guys know I'm a huge fan of Rogue One great movie Absolutely, one hundred percent. 
Um, so Pow we'll had more scenes than I expected. Who? Pow. Dude, right? Saw Pow a like, lot. Well, there's Pow again. Now that when you when you're actually looking for him, you yep. see him a lot. I was looking actually looking for what's the Bistan? Yep. I only saw him twice when he was the door gunner in one of the U-wings that made it through the the shield. That was it. So, um the, the, there were a couple parts with him. The one part where he's he's screaming and he shoots out a leg on a ATAT. Ah, yes, that was so cool. Yep. I love ATATs. So cool. Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, we will be back next week with episode two hundred seventy-one. We will probably be back next week with episode two hundred seventy-one, which will it feature... is Thanksgiving. Oh, good point. We'll see what happens. If you're not on our Discord, discord.me slash shattered order, we will let you know what we're planning on doing next week as far as the episode goes. So Indeed. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next. Uh, the next episode will be about Swaga because there is a lot of information about uh, Starkiller swimming around. So I'm sure by that time we'll have a lot of information to talk cool. about. So, Yeah. Uh, until next time, thank you for listening to episode two. Thank you for listening to episode Y. Or sorry, episode W. We are 70% of the way to episode 300 now. So be yes, excited about that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Later.